I'm sorry. It's rather difficult to decipher. But it talks of two survivors beyond the final day. Two children of Gallifrey. Does it name them? It foresees them locked in their final confrontation. The enmity of ages, which would suggest... The Doctor! And the Master. One word keeps being repeated, my lord. One constant word. Earth. Uh, 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 that is Earth. Indigenous species. The human race. Maybe that's where the answer lies. Our salvation on Earth. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and on this episode, you are joining us for the review of The End of Time, Part 2, one of my all-time favorite episodes. So I'm excited to get into this, and I really hope the two gentlemen on here with me tonight are equally excited, and I'm about to find out, because I'm going to say welcome back, and I'm going to pick Lee Shackelford first. Go for it, Lee. How are you? I'm grand. I am really, I'm, I'm glad to be here talking about uh, End of Time Part 2 with y'all, so. Okay, see, I'm not falling for that joke or falling for that trap again, because I fell for it the last time Nicole was on when you said y'all. Y'all. And, and I went into that southern voice, but I'm not going to yeah. do that again. I there will instead <laughs> say, and welcome back also, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Ah, uh, yo, doing great, man. Glad to be on again with you guys. For yet another episode of Discussing Who. Yeah, cool. I can't wait to talk about this episode. Me, me either. I am so glad to, to be back talking about this one, because I know from our last episode, there were some things we liked about it, but maybe some things we didn't like about it. So I'm really curious to find out what you guys think about this episode. But before we do, we do have some news, and I want to get into that really quick. So starting out, let's talk about At Childhood's End. It's written by Sophie Allred, and in this story, it's pairing Ace, now known as Dorothy McShane, with the 13th Doctor, Ryan, Yaz, and Graham. This is coming from BBC Books in February 2020. So what do you guys think? Sophie Allred writing a book about Doctor Who and her character. Curious, what do you guys think? After all these years, nobody knows the ace like Sophie Aldred. She's been um, she's been professionally ace for for a long time. And and I hope you notice the book is called At Childhood's End. Look at the initials. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. how cool. I, I didn't get that. That. Is, that is sweet. Yeah. But we, we all we know is that it is a 13th Doctor adventure in which he will cross paths with Ace and um, and that she wrote it. And that's um I think that's uh, about all we know right now. Um, well, I do know a little bit, and let me add just a little bit to it. Um, she is a philanthropist, blah, blah, uh-huh. and she huh? is a well-off financially, and whatever caused her 
and the seventh doctor to part ways, it doesn't sound like it was amicable. So there's some mm. there's some bad feelings, it seems, between her and the doctor. Interesting. Yeah. Because the last time we saw them was at the end of the original series and uh they were go they literally walked off together into the into the sunset, as it were. Yeah, her um the synopsis um from the publisher says that um her her organization as a philanthropist is called a charitable earth, which is also A C E. <laughs> so it's so, you know, Clarence, I'm curious from your perspective, because I remember a couple of months ago when they were putting the final 26th season on DVD, that caught your attention and caught, and, you know, you were kind of intrigued by Ace. And you've also read and reviewed several of the Star Trek Discovery books. Are you curious, inclined to maybe read this? I'm just curious on your thoughts. Um, I don't know. It does inter- interest me that it's with the 13 doctors. So I find that really interesting and might be enough to pull me in. Now, uh, that trailer was for the, the last few seasons. It wasn't for this book, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Okay. Well, in, in any case, the trailer did get me really interested to find out more about this character, even though I haven't had, had the time really to do so. So maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm making this book a, a, a read because it sounds pretty interesting. What about you, Lee? I know you're a reader. What what are you inclined? Yeah, I don't pick up a lot of um, ancillary fiction for franchises, but I might make an exception in this case. Uh, I've always really liked Ace, and uh, every time I've seen Sophie Aldred out of character, just just uh, as a person, I've just thought, what an interesting person she is. Just yeah. Mm-hmm. So. You you know, I will go so far as to say. I've gone on record before as not being a big fan of Ace because I just didn't connect with her. But for some Mm. reason, I am curious about this book and I may well read it. And I have a feeling we may know somebody else who might read it, too. (laughs) I I think I think uh, Nicole is probably on board. Ah, I think so, too. I think that's a so, unanimous decision that she would yeah. be an Ace fan. And people who know uh, Ace and the Seventh Doctor will appreciate that uh, when my son was in uh, middle school and high school, you know, and, and really creating an Internet presence for the first time, like, like you know, having to come up with passwords and usernames and so on. He was almost uniformly everywhere. Nitro nine. So that only makes sense if you if you know Ace. But yeah, but my son was always Nitro nine. Anyway, and say that 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 will be a perfect example of what I was saying of not being a big seventh Doctor and Ace yeah. fan. I absolutely have no idea what you mean. <laughs> you, wow! Explain. We're Explain. on discussing who, and they don't know what Nitro Nine is. <laughs> well, listeners, yeah, drop us a voicemail and explain to these guys what Nitro Nine is. Anyway, but you know, hey, what? I'm a new Whovian. I got an excuse. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm going to call it, um, it, that was a fixed moment and I didn't, uh, I didn't partake of that moment, but maybe Mm -hmm. I will. Maybe I'll go back and partake. Who knows? Who knows? But you know, one thing we might know based on an article that I think all three of us have seen is there is a good chance we know the Jadoon are returning and it looks like the Daleks are also returning for series 12. And curious of what you think of the new-ish design. <laughs> well, uh, are, are we are we really sure of what the 
design is going to be? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm uh, saying. I'm not sure, sure. For folks who don't know, what happened is that there's a, a, a fellow who was uh, going about his business in, uh, uh, was he in Wales? I, I don't think, remember now where. The, I think so. But, um, and, and just sort of did a double take at this big truck and, and said, the truck's full of Daleks, and realized that he had uh, stumbled past a shooting location, and they were clearly shooting an episode of uh, for the the upcoming series, and there were Daleks in it. And uh, he, he snapped some pictures, which, of course, you know, because they were keeping uh, people away from the, the shoot. Uh, you can't see much, but uh, but you can see that there's some kind of Daleks on them. And, you know, uh, I, I always have mixed feelings about the Daleks. I understand they are they are staples of the franchise. People who have never watched the show, who may not recognize the TARDIS when they see it, they know what a Dalek is. So it's like you got to have the Daleks, and I've, and very often I think they're they're just silly, and um, and I'm not I'm not interested in them. But the one of my, the times when I found them the most interesting was the one time a Dalek has crossed paths with the Thirteenth Doctor. So, hmm, hmm. So, Clarence, are you on board seeing Daleks again, or would you rather shelve them for other? returning bad guys or bad creatures um i think i'm excited to see more of them for me usually with the daleks the fewer the better and it seems like the episode is only a few of them are the ones i gravitate to which aren't many because <laughs> most of them there's more than you can count so um yeah i don't know as long as they don't go too bombastic with it i, I might be fine but but yeah i think i'm excited about it what about you yeah i, I think i'm on board with what you guys said i find the most interesting Dalek stories to be Dalek and Resolution. And those are, I believe, the only two singular Dalek stories that are, don't involve, you know, like you said, just multitudes of Daleks or the mm -hmm. appearance of multitudes of Daleks. Right. The Into the Dalek, I guess there's only one. Is, oh, yeah. Is that, is that right? yeah. But Rusty really yeah. wasn't like Yeah, it wasn't Dalek. like the best. Yeah, so. So. <laughs> And I guess you could say that was kind of interesting, per yeah, se. Yeah, right. I don't have any other news. So before our time literally runs out and we get to Ooh. the end of time for our episode, I say, let's get into the review. What do you say? Yeah. All right. So if you have not seen the end of time part two, Put us on pause. Go out. Watch the episode. Come back. Take us off pause because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 All righty. The spoiler warning has gone out and we are back to review the end of time part two. This, again, as an episode with part one, this story served as the swan song for the 10th Doctor's era, and it aired in two parts across Christmas Day 2009 and New Year's Day 2010. Again, this is part two, and that is what we will be reviewing in this episode. And uh, as we said in last episode, it features the return of the Master, along with the supporting cast of the series number four. So, summary view. And Clarence, I'm going to start with you. Summary view. What did you think on a whole of part two? Man, uh, 
these episodes like this are just peak Doctor Who to me, man. Uh, all the feels, all the feels. It always gets me at when the Doctor gets really ready to leave, you know, how they're able to make that feel so dramatic <laughs> and just dredge up every moment you've had with the doctor and make you want to miss him so much. And this was done in excellent form. Um, finally, we get the reveal of the knocks, which I'm, I'm, I'm glad of that because maybe Cal will shut up now. <laughs> but no, I'm joking, Cal. But no, um, just wonderful episode, wonderful episode. And one of my favorite, I'm up there with you, Cal. One of my favorite, man. Sweet. What about you guys? Sweet. Lee, what say you? I, I guess it's one of my favorites. Uh, now that you say that, it's, um, yeah, just everything that Clarence said. It is as a last episode for a doctor. It's, um, uh, some of, uh, that aspect of it is just great. I, it's other parts of this story that I don't care for. And I know we'll get into that. Yeah. So what about you? What about you? Tom, okay. So as far as the other parts of the story that you don't care about, I'm going to agree with, you know, it's similar <laughs> to what we said last episode in our review of part one but that being said this is my first episode that i can pretty much speak it along with it and mm. uh i would love to have one dollar not five dollars not i would love to have one dollar for the amount of times that i probably listened to and or seen this episode since 2010 i could probably pay off a bill or two and I'll just leave it at that. But I love parts of this episode to no end, to the point to where when I got that soundtrack, I could just literally go through the soundtrack and think about what they were saying as I was listening to the soundtrack. I'm that much obsessed with this episode. So I loved it. Bottom line, loved it. Wow. Now now I can't to hear, can't wait to hear the parts you guys didn't like, because I was just over the top with this one. So, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Well... <laughs> Let's ask a question that it seems like a lot of fandom has said over the years. And it's one thing that me personally, I don't quite understand. There's a lot of love-hate relationship going on with this episode. And I keep seeing, talking about negative fandom and all of that good stuff. Why do you guys think that there are some people that are saying this is one of the worst Christmas stories or this is one of the worst stories? I don't agree with that, and I'm curious as to what you guys may think some people might think is the worst or makes it what? not good. <laughs> Wait, is it, is it a Christmas story? <laughs> uh, yeah, because, well, I guess. <laughs> it's you know, New Year's. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was actually uh, on New Year's Day, and the last episode was at Christmas. They just didn't play it up. Uh, so what do you guys think? I know that um, I'm really wishing Nicole was on this one with us because I know that she really doesn't like it. And I would love to know what her uh, what her gripes with it are, because she and I tend to disagree uh, respectfully about so many things about uh, about the series. Um, I, I So I'm not sure. My problem with it, it, it's funny that it's a master story and it's the master parts of the story that I that that I don't like. But really, that's about all. I just. I, I just never liked John Sims' master, and that's part of the problem. And when the episode begins, of course, everybody in the world is him. And, <laughs> and so that's upset. <laughs> that feels like rubbing it in. Um, 
I, I don't know. I just uh, why would why would people hate on this this story? I don't know. And and I wonder if it's putting it with part one because what I find interesting is you make reference right there to John Sims Master, and I agree with you up to a point. And my up to a point is the first part that we saw totally on board with. I did not like that. But then when we get to this part, I, there's more juice to the script or however you want to say it. I liked John Sims Master a little bit more and no bad vibes toward RTD. But I don't think it was John Sims fault. I think it was how he was written, because when we see him later and at some point in the future and his character is being written by another showrunner, I see a different version of this version of the master. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's nothing against the performer at all. It's, it's just this, this can, this concept of the master. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's all I can say. Cool. Well, I have a question for you guys and it's a trivia question. And if we don't know it, I will hold off and we will come back at the end and I will answer the trivia question. So here is my trivia question for the two of you before we get into deep into the story. The end of time part two shares a commonality with a serial from the second doctor's era and an episode from the 12th doctor's era. Name the two and tell me why, why they have a common bond or a common trait with the end of time part two. Do you know the answer? Second Doctor. Yes. It is a serial from the Second Doctor's era and an episode from the Twelfth Doctor's era. Both of those share a common trait with the end of time part two. Well, there would be their, their regeneration stories, but... Okay. Almost there. Hmm. Now I haven't a clue beyond uh, that. All right. Since you did say they yes. are regeneration episodes, I will go ahead and say what that second part of that is. They also have in common. Uh, I think the light bulb the, came on. What yeah, is it? The, pre the presence of Time Lords. I, that was when the not second my, Doctor regenerates. Yeah, the Time Lords are there. And so. and and that was not the other thing that I had written, but it is mm. a true fact. So I'm going to give okay. you that one. Excellent. Cool. The other thing was that the companions or the cast changed completely going into the following episode. Interesting. Yeah. Which was not always the case. Which was not always the case. So, cool. Kudos to you, my friend. Excellent. All right. So let's start in where we start off. We see that the Time Lords have returned and we are for the first time smack dab in the middle of the Great Time War. Clarence, what did you think of seeing the Time Lords and the High Council of the Time Lords basically having their strategy session? So what did you think of that? This is only the furthest edge of the Time War, but at its heart, millions die every second, lost in bloodlust and insanity, with time itself resurrecting them to find new ways of dying over and over again. A travesty of life. Isn't it better to end it at last? Thank you for your opinion. I will not die! 
Do you hear me? Uh, well, I mean, it was interesting. I don't know if I have a whole lot to say about it. Uh, unfortunately, as a new who person, I don't have a lot of experience with the Time Lords. This is one of the few experiences that I have with them. And I, I don't know if I was ready to see them come off as such villains. Um, yeah. And, and they definitely seem like they're going, they're trying to portray them that way in this episode, even from the onset there. So I was, I was a little shocked by that, actually. I didn't ever think of them as being the bad guy, though we do know from other classic episodes we've reviewed that they haven't always been the, <laughs> the, the, the most nice race on, on, in the world, in the universe. So I don't know. What did, what did you guys think? All right. Lee, what do you think? Uh, I'm with Clarence. Um, it, it it was a surprise, uh, just as much for people who, for all of us who are fans of the classic series. Because if anything, I, I feel like our experience of the um, um, the Time Lords in the past has been that they're they're incompetent, um, not incompetent, but um, but certainly self satisfied. They're just it's just a smug group of old guys who you know, are perfectly content to keep doing things the way they've done them for a million years, even if it's wrong. And you know what, I, you know who I equate them to be in the comic book world, mm. the watchers, the watchers. Yeah. You know, that's it. They yeah. just, they're, they're smug, they're old and they do what they do. That's right. And, and when, and in the end of war games, we were just talking about when they show up they're the reason they're upset with the doctor is because he's been interfering uh, with the, with, the the yeah, and he's supposed to be an observer so it is that's a that's an exact parallel and um and of course very hypocritical because they of course <laughs> intervene and and play tricks with people too so but yeah we never saw this kind of outright um malevolence from them before and so that was a surprise and timothy dalton spitting on the camera was a surprise too but <laughs> yes very much so you know i i will say i did find it interesting that that they mentioned the moment and, you know, we go back and we yeah talk about the moment. So I, I, I love that. And I love the fact that that episode was not written by Moffat, but yet he right. took what was there and made it into something else. Yeah. But while we're talking about the Time Lord and or the council or the Time Lords as a people and we see this high council, I'm curious to what you particularly think about this retconning of the master's story of going back and saying, we're sending this five point star and this beating of the drum and all this stuff so that the, we can basically hone in on the master hearing this beat through time. Mm -hmm. What did you think of this saying, this is what made the master crazy all along? That may be one of the things that that irks a lot of uh, fans, maybe of the classic series, because I don't think the master has always been crazy. And so uh, that is a problem for me. It, it makes sense inside this episode because the master is, you know, completely bananas. But but he wasn't always like that. So saying that we're going to we're going to uh, change this person's life by sending this thing back to this moment when he was a little boy. And we're going to effectively create the master so that this time, much, much later in his life, we'll be able to um, 
And then, see, that's another thing. I'm not exactly sure what they're doing. <laughs> the, mm. the whole planet materializes around the Earth, which would have destroyed the Earth. I, I just, I'm, I'm sorry, but it would. And and then that brings them out of their time bubble. Their it lets them out of their cage. But uh, huh? So you know that that's that that is a problem for me. That it's that that a they they didn't create the master in this moment because he wasn't like that before and don't tell us that he was. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and also it's really hard to understand exactly what they're doing. So that's, I don't know. Those are, that's, those are my feelings about it. What do you, what do you think? Mm. Clarence, what, curious if you have any before I give my two cents. Uh, well, well, Kyle, I know you like the five knocks or whatever we call them, <laughs> uh, but you had a four knocks. It, they, yeah, four knocks. I'm sorry. They, they went the long game on that one. They definitely went the long game and we've been seeing it all season. And up until now, I mean, it's just littered all throughout the, this two parter. And I was not really expecting them to make it so intricate to the character of the master. Now, for me, not really having the classic background, it kind of made sense. But even going back to the episodes we did review, from classic I, he John Steele's master is just different <laughs> he's just different yeah. I don't know if they're trying to portray it as this is the point where he you know goes off the deep end uh in these last few episodes um I don't know I don't know but I did find it interesting but again uh, I'm just kind of tired of the the four knocks thing and uh, this <laughs> yeah I, you know and I, I will say i'm i'm not even thinking for Knox because the gentleman that that i work with that is walt that is watching doctor who right now he's right on the verge to a good man goes to war so all week literally well today's tuesday so all week and friday of last week I've been saying things like, how goes the day? And, uh, oh, this is yeah. what happens when a good man goes to war. So I'm not even thinking about four knocks at this point. <laughs> oh, but I, but I will say it does provide one of my favorite moments in episode in and in a, right in the last 10 minutes there. So I guess it paid off because when we get what we get from, from Wilfred, I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never. I'll never forget the first time I saw that. I said, Oh no. Yeah. Wow. Oh my wow. God. Yeah. So I guess it paid off. I guess. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> but well, speaking of Will, kind of tr perfect transition here. Before he has this knocking on the glass moment, he has some very good moments, you know, throughout the stories, particularly the first one I want to mention is with uh, once again, the woman in white. And the conversation that he had with her, his lines didn't have that much quote unquote meaning to me as it did the woman herself, where she's talking about the doctor's final battle and that the, he's at the end of his life, et cetera, and so forth. And then uh, he asks her and he says, who are you? And she says, I was lost so very long ago and has this like sad look on her face. Any thoughts as to who this woman is or was? You guys are going to have to tell me. I, I just know she's a time lord. That's all I know. Lee, what are your thoughts? It's, yeah, this is where I have to get on board with people who don't like this episode. I it, Part of this is just me talking as a screenwriter, okay? But if you're going to ask a question like that, you have to answer it. 
You can't just get to the end and say, well, it's a mystery. No, it isn't. That's not good storytelling. You don't say we'll explain it later and then not explain it. All we know is that we see her still at the end behind um, the, the Lord President. And um, and he says, you know, you, you, you shouldn't have done what you've done. And now you're going to be punished like the weeping, weeping angels, angels of old, old. Which, is, which is very intriguing. But but who is she? And and some people said, I think it's the doctor's mother. Oh, okay. I don't know what you're basing that on, but uh, okay, whatever. Well, they're basing that she, on, since we said spoilers, they're basing yeah. that on a comment that RTD did in an interview after he had shot the show and left Doctor Who. And That's it, right. I mean, to, at that point, an article that you are being interviewed for is not a good place to reveal something no. that you left uh, open. It's not in the episode. No, I no. And if that's the case, I would expect the doctor to be a little more emotional, <laughs> which he was very emotional in that moment when he had the gun up. So, mm, yeah. but for a lot of other reasons, I mean, true. Yeah. Hey, all it takes is a line of dialogue. Just say, "Mom." Right. <laughs> yeah. No? It's that easy. No. Wow. But see, no. See, before I knew who River was, I thought for a mi quick minute that that was River. And what I based that on was the music that they played when he looks at her in that scene that you guys just referenced and paired with the scene where River in the silence of the library whispers her, I mean, whispers his name to him is the same music that they played. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I recognize that. That's That's got to be River. But I think what they were doing was just showing something for him, the emotion for him. And that was how Murray Gold was mimicking him showing that deep emotion. And that's why they yeah. played the music. Yeah. But uh, still, that's like something being said in a in a comment. That's <laughs> outside the episode. It's like, no. Yeah. So let's move on to another conversation that Wilfred had, particularly Wilfred and the doctor. I'm curious to know this heart to heart that the two of them had sitting aboard the spaceship or orbiting. I mean, excuse me, or orbiting Earth. I can't. I just can't. If the master dies, what happens to all the people? I don't know. Doctor, what happens? The template snaps. Well, they go back to being human. They're alive. And human. And don't you dare, sir. Don't you dare put him before them. Now you take this, that's an order, Doctor. Take the gun. You take the gun and save your life. And please don't die. You're the most wonderful man on earth. I don't want you to die. What did you guys think of that? And Clarence, why don't you take that first? Oh, man. Wolf on the spaceship was the greatest. I'm in space. I'm an astronaut. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And that conversation where he's 
pleading with the doctor to take this gun to do what he may was just good because the doctor was he wasn't having it. He just wasn't having it at any cost. And to see the emotion on, on Will's face that he betrayed in that moment was just off the charts. I thought it was really good. And also the doctor, uh, David Tennant, for that matter, he's kind of in an impossible position himself. And he's just not willing to kill the master. That's just not what he does. Even when Wolf tells him or Wolf points out to him that it will bring back, you know, all of the human race, he still is pretty adamant that he's not going to do it. So, uh, yeah, just great emotion and acting all around in that scene. Cool. Lee, what do you think? Uh, my favorite thing about this episode, and there's there's so much to love in this episode, really, to me, but my favorite things are, are all Wolf. And, um, you know, we, we can skip ahead to our favorite scenes in this episode. This is it. And my favorite line is in it. Uh, it's just this to me is the knockout moment, even with everything that happens afterward. To me, this is the big moment in this uh, in this episode. Just fantastic. Okay, so you know, hats off to Bernard Cribbins. I have, so man. I'm curious now. What if this if this we know is your favorite scene? What be your favorite quote from this? Will they go back to being human? They're alive and human. Then don't you dare, sir. Don't you dare put him before them. Now you take this. That's an order, Doctor. You take this gun. You take this gun and save your life. And please don't die. You're the most wonderful man on earth. <sighs> don't want you to die. Oh, that was. Oh, that was. Oh, well done. Absolutely well, well done. What a what a what a line to give an actor. I mean, and and it means that he has to he has to try to intimidate the doctor with his voice. He has to press this gun on him. He has to, and he goes from that into crying and pleading with him. In a heartbeat like that, because he feels all those things at the same time. It's it's really it's uh, I well I started to say masterful. Yes, it's brilliant. That's the word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, one thing I really really enjoyed about this particular scene was how they framed it. And what I mean by that is, at the beginning of the scene, you have the Doctor and Wilt talking back and forth, and they're referring to their ages. And when they get to the point to where I'm 906 years old and they go into the, you must think we're insects. And then he says, no, I feel you guys are like gods. And then he says, I, I wish you were my dad. Oh yeah. That was really I'd be proud. Yes. I'd be proud if you were my dad. Yes. Yeah. That was just, that was deep. I love that. Yes. Agreed. So curious, before we get into the finale part of this episode, I'm going to call this the Star Wars scene. I'm Uh-oh. curious to know what you thought about flying this and everybody doing you know, their shootout with the missiles. What did you guys think of this weird shootout scene that they were having? <laughs> curious. Yeah. Or Clarence, either one. What do you guys think? Yeah, those definitely had to be a nod to the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, like, you could not be re- reminded of that. Yeah, yes, I got yes. one. <laughs> yes, I really love that moment. Um, I don't know. I, I love the whole scene where they were had the approach shooting down these missiles. Um, I thought that was really fantastic. Now, what threw me off about that whole scene is at the end, the Doctor just falls out of the bottom of the the, the uh, spaceship to get to where the Master is. So. It kind of, <laughs> it kind of took away from the fun of the whole scene when he just does. I'm like, really? Is that how he's getting down there? I guess the glass broke his fall. 
know. It was just weird. <laughs> the ground broke his fall. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, no, so what did you think, Lee, me. before I get no. this one? That that bugged me at the time, too. And, and uh, I think there has been a lot written about it in, uh, in fandom about um, so the doctor is uh, Captain America now. He what? Huh? What? I guess. Well, I guess that's more Wolverine, isn't it? It's like, yeah. don't, don't so, worry, I'll just Deadpool. Uh, so let me ask this <laughs> right. question: Are we to believe at this point that further you get in your regeneration cycle, the more resilient you become? Because this version of the doctor can fall from a spaceship through a skylight to bounce on the floor and basically just get up and still you know fight and do whatever he needs to do but another version of the doctor in his fourth incarnation can fall just from a pole your telescope yes right and have to regenerate instead yep 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 and this doctor has already nearly regenerated once yep Yes. Uh, so I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. shot from a Dalek. So you know exactly. <laughs> and so. let's also add in spoilers that that near regeneration was a regeneration nonetheless. It counts. Good as gold. So yeah. what what kind of energy does he have left? But see, th- this episode already raises profound questions about how Artron energy works because the master is leaking it right and left. True. And and he and it, and it means he can fly, <laughs> yeah, like Iron so, Man, right? Yeah, with yeah, that's right. It went right out of his hands. So, so yeah, I, it, it's it, it is one of the reasons to be hurt by this episode. It's like, well, what are the rules then? Come yeah. on, if you're gonna, <laughs> and don't forget, Donna has late latent energy inside of her as well to that's be true. used when yeah. somebody's trying to kill her. It's she has a memory lapse. Device. Yes, right. yeah, but she can't yeah. remember. But she can at least, you know, brain blast, time blast, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so let's get to this big confrontation between Rassilon and the Doctor. And the last time we see Rassilon was on an episode the three of us have reviewed <laughs> together, which I think was our 75th episode, which was the five Doctors. Yes. So... In, in- Dresslin is, we need hardly point out, dead. Yes. Uh, so so we're assuming that one of the things that they have resurrected in the Great Time War was Rassilon. Or the five doctors takes place long after this, which I would also have trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. A hundred percent agree. So what did you guys think of this scene confrontation between Rassilon and the master? And the doctor, because it's basically the three of them going back and forth. So, Lee, why don't you go first on this one? What did you think of this back and forth? It's an interesting confrontation, because even if you buy the silly idea that the that the Time Lords created the master for their own convenience, for their for this one purpose, if you pretend for a minute that that makes sense, then having the master stand up and, and, and try to hold them, take them you know, uh, to task for it is, uh, that's dramatically powerful. And, and, uh, it's, it is interesting to, to watch actors like John Sim and Timothy Dalton, uh, go at it like that. So, so I, I, I liked that aspect of it, but it's, it's still, it, it's still silly and, mm. and not, not in a fun way. It's just silly in a, 
way that makes you say, wait a minute, what's happening here? Well, it also diminishes the master because here's this great uh, plan that the master had. And then all of a sudden with the turn of his fist and it's like everything's turned back to normal and forget you. Well, yeah, yeah, and when did wrestling get the Infinity Gauntlet anyway? <laughs> exactly. That like, that's the same comment I was going to make. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have. <laughs> is, is, is that a new? Well, is that new? Is kind of what I was going to ask. Is that like he didn't have that in the past uh, episodes? Classic. In classic, everything in uh, the Time Lords is it's it's like uh, the '60s uh, Batman show. Everything is the so and so of Rastalon. There's the yes. sword of Rastalon and the shield. Ah, of and the, okay. Uh, the, the bloody blah of Rassilon. So apparently this is the gauntlet of the gauntlet of Rassilon. So. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But seeing a hint of it before. And and it does that thing that, that, that good sci-fi does well. We don't need an explanation. He points it at somebody and, and they there's a beam that comes out and they fall down. Okay, we get we, we understand yeah. what that is now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. So yeah. what did you think, Clarence? What did you think of this back and forth between the three? Uh, I love the doctor being between the two yeah, uh, and having this decision on who he's going to take out. And I mean, do we ever think the doctor would shoot either one of them? I don't think we did, but uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's trying to make this decision. Now, what I didn't like about this scene, every time he raised the gun, they played this effect, this sound effect that sound as if I guess it was meant to be the gun cocking, but it sounded like me like he was firing every time he turned around i know it was for a dramatic effect or whatever but i didn't like that i'm like oh did he shoot did he shoot and if you didn't catch it maybe go back and check it out but yeah it seems like every time he turns and raises the gun it's a, it's a slight sound effect that sounds like he's he's either cocking the gun or, or maybe not loud enough to be a fire but it, it was still a little weird no i i know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about because again Excuse i've seen this without the video so many times and that yeah. said you are right that there's this you know like yeah. like like you are about to shoot the gun yeah and even though the doctor's bailed out i do like where he's having to try to make this decision on what's the best you know action to take uh and and yeah, I, I thought that was good fun. Mm. What about you? Um, I I really actually liked this. This this to me was the one moment that I liked the John Sims master. I liked that get out of the way, and then that look of recognition between the doctor and the master. It's almost like you saw this relationship for the first time mm. that they had all these years before. This whatever got in the way of that. And I just liked that, that they went back to maybe their childhood or maybe their first generations or whatever, that they had this just, it was almost, I don't want to call it camaraderie, but this understanding between the two. I just found Mm. very interesting. Yeah. And I'll just add that I do like that at first the, uh, the master is cocky and has his, Bravado about himself until uh, Rasslon quickly just you know if any gauntlets away his people his minions and (laughs) if any he's begging for his life I helped you I brought you back you know so I love that and does he not also do what any maniacal villain would do is I'm going to run and support this one because I think this one might help me oh no they're not I'm running and supporting you oh no you're not oh I'm back to the and back and back and back and forth. So I thought that was well played. Well played yeah. indeed. 
So we see the Time Lords sent back into the Time War. The Doctor has survived. He's beat the prophecy. And for Clarence, I'm going to say, once again, we hear the four knocks. So Clarence. Can can I actually real quick before we get into that? So were they in the Time War or in the Time Lock? Because I thought they were just in the Time Lock, which I guess technically is the time war but i was a little confused on if they're time locked how are they able to move around and talk and <laughs> I, that, right. that part kind of confused me well it's, it's confusing all right but and, and there is a couple of lines of dialogue that at least attempts to explain it and i i was willing to buy it it was it was the most tangible information i think we've had up to this point about the time war and why it's called that but it seemed to be about we finally realized that this was spreading, you know, throughout all of history, and we had to find a way to contain it. And so they they created this uh, this pocket, this envelope that 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 has Gallifrey and the Daleks trapped inside it, trying to annihilate each other, you know, forever. forever. Yeah. Ah, okay, that makes sense. And um, and I always felt like, correct me if I'm wrong here, that it was the Doctor. You know, at this point in our understanding of reality as we know it, mm-hmm. is the ninth doctor had locked them in this time lock and but yet he survived and he got out. Yeah, or or the eighth. Or yeah, or the eighth. It, yeah. it would have to be the eighth. It would have to be yeah. the eighth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're totally right. Totally right. So so that's on him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Especially, you know, not the doctor you were expecting. That's right. Absolutely. Question for Knox. What did you guys think when you heard for the first time? Let's, you know, don't, don't think of it from the perspective of we've talked about four Knox and yeah. all of that, et cetera. But that first gut feeling when you hear, what did you yeah. think? Oh, no. <sighs> and you can see it on the doctor's face. He knows what's happening and he knows what it means. Because he has just been exulting about the fact that he's beaten it. Yeah. He's just been saying, I'm still here. I'm alive. And the master's gone. <laughs> I beat How it. did I do it, huh? <laughs> How did I do it? And then knock, 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 knock. Yeah. And uh, Eros Lan, of course, is the director of this. And I think he's, you know, he's, he's the great um, director of, uh, of New Who. And he does such a good job in this two-parter of teaching us without making us aware that we're being taught how this little two-door control chamber works. Yep. We've seen it three or four times already. Yep. So we know you can only open one of those doors at a time. So we know exactly what it means. When I saw Wilf walk in there, I mean, the doctor mm-hmm. turned and was like, what are you doing? But I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Wilf. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but the way the, those final knocks were played, I mean, just beautiful. Just freaking beautiful. I mean, this is my favorite scene of the episode yeah. um, right here. To uh, um, see the doctor ha- have victory, <laughs> conquer his foe, and then he's he's placed with another impossible decision um, to, of course, help Will. So I'm curious what you guys think of this particular line from this scene that you guys are talking about, which is, the doctor says to Will, well, exactly, look at you, not remotely important, but me. I could do so much more, so much more, but this is what I get, my reward, and it's not fair. And then he says, oh, 
oh, I've lived too long. Lived too long. What did you guys think of this anger that he was mm-hmm. seeming to send out thoughts? Well, I, I have talked with people who say that this is when they start saying, okay, I'm through with this doctor. I'm ready for another one. Because from that moment when Wolf knocks on the door, they just feel like he gets um, childish and petulant and um, bitchy is a word that I've heard somebody use, that it's not the doctor anymore. And I don't know, maybe I've been around more people in this level of grief, but yeah, I give him a minute to say things he doesn't mean or to be sarcastic, you know? Yeah. Oh, you look at you, not remotely important. You know, he, he doesn't mean that. And, and I understand that he doesn't mean, you know, let him, let him throw some stuff off the desk and say it's not fair. And then he's going to go do what, do what's right. And then he says, I mean, Wilfred, it's my honor. It's my honor. And he looks him right in the eye. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and jumping ahead, these are, these are the same people who say that it breaks their heart that this doctor's last words are, I don't want to go, because that's not heroic. And, and I've always said, w- when your time comes, I want to hear what you say. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, but I understand also what they're saying is that so I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about my heroes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe I'm going to beg for mercy at my last moment, but, but I don't want the doctor to do it. Well, yeah. I don't know. I just, to me, it just gets me on board with his pain. And uh, Kyle, and you and I've talked about this before. Because I love that so much, I resent the hell out of them making a joke about it in Day of the Doctor. Or, or changing so, the whole meaning of it. That's right. Yeah, his next self says he always says that. No, he doesn't. Yeah, that's not. Uh, yeah, but anyway, but yeah, uh, this this ha- this has great meaning to me because the doctor is in such pain and it's such a human response. Of course, he doesn't want to go. Waiting for me all this time. Oh, really? Just leave me. I'm an old man, doctor. I've had my time. Well, exactly. Look at you. Not remotely important. But me, I could do so much more, so much more. But this is what I get, my reward. But it's not fair. Live too long. No, 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 please, please don't. No, don't, don't. Please don't, please! Wilfred, it's my honor. Better be quick. Let's see. Let's see. I, I, all right. Well, Clarence, I want to know. I, I do. I want to come back to that because I have a thought of that. But, Clarence, what did you think of, of this line? What were your thoughts? He certainly was acting out. And to me, this wasn't even that egregious. This is just him at this moment of knowing what he's going to have to do. You know, we want people to say what they mean, but I give him, give him a pass here. If he, he speaks a little out of, out of turn a bit, but he does the right thing. He may say something that's a little bit off, but he does the right thing. And who wouldn't in that moment now maybe belittling Wolf, maybe Wolf is maybe a bit much, but. He's just acting out, and he he knows what he has to do, and he's going to do the right thing. I think that's what the point we have to look at. I see this moment as being a hundred times better 
than what happens at the end of the waters on Mars. I mean, it's just two totally different yeah. situations. Oh, absolutely. Here, here, it, yeah. to, to, to me, this one is justified a, a little bit because he walks it all back. He walks it all back. Now, that being said, if certain people today say stuff and walk it back, we might get a little mad. <laughs> Talking about the yeah. real world here. All right. But, but he does do the make the ultimate sacrifice here in the end. And, and I think that's the point we have to look at. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with what both of you said here, because for me, this this did seem like a petulant child at first. But then you start thinking of it from the perspective. I've come through so much trying to avoid this. And there's this prophecy and I've beaten it and I've done what I'm supposed to do. And this person that is my companion here is the one that I have to save. And I was not looking for what I was looking for all this time. I assumed it was one thing and it was something else. I saw that more so as a frustration of on himself. Mm -hmm. And then he goes back and says, it was my honor. But the comment I wanted to make about, I don't want to go. I saw that a little bit as from a viewer, I didn't want this doctor to go. I was not happy David Tennant was. And to hear the doctor himself at that last moment say, I don't want to go. That was heartbreaking to, to hear that. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm one of those people that was all on board for that line. Yeah, it's, it's the, the ultimate end to the long goodbye, which you got in that last 10, 15 mm. minutes. Yeah. Uh, he's making his rounds. Um, like what he did for Wilf, he's doing it to his other friends that are still running about. <laughs> yes, the long goodbye. And by the time we get to that moment, after he's done these awesome things and met these awesome people that uh, we're tying the bow on that we've seen since the beginning of New Who, um, yeah, it's hard to see him leave. So let me ask you guys about the end of that scene with Wilf and he goes into the radiation chamber and let's keep in mind at this point in our watching history of where we are in 2019 we've seen several regenerations with the regeneration energy like we've seen it since 2005. That said did either of you think when that radiation stopped that we would see Matt Smith stand up as opposed to seeing David Tennant again? I remember at the time wondering if that's how we were going to do it, that that's it was going to happen in the booth. Hmm. I actually thought for a second there, I can remember looking like really close to the TV saying, does his hair look different? You know, whenever because the way yeah. he was holding his head, I was thinking, well, maybe they're not going to do it with the bright shiny this time. Yeah. But the, but that wasn't the case. But I was just curious. There. So I want to go through really quick. Before we wrap up, I want to go through what what I'm calling my reward. And mm -hmm. let's start with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We see Mickey <laughs> and we see um, Martha, Martha once again. And they're married. Curious. What did you guys think? It seemed like a happy ending for both of them. Or, you know, the, the, they're not just married, but they're both uh, living their best selves. They're they're out doing, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting the Centaurans. And, yeah. you know, and you think about who Mickey was when we met him and this is who he is now. And it just, it does kind of make you want to punch the air. Um, and then he, he's become a worthy uh, partner for Martha. Hmm. Interesting. That's what I think. So. All right. Clarence, what say you? 
I agree with everything Lee said. Uh, it was awesome to see those two characters who I love um, together, fighting together. And I guess the doctor saving Martha's life there. But yeah, it was, it was, I remember at the time seeing that, I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and man, Mickey's journey. I mean, <laughs> think about when we saw him in Father's Day. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it goes back to going all the way back to Rose. And, and we talk about in that one calling him the bumbling idiot and oh. talk about how far he's going to come. This is his last appearance, uh, as we know it as of right now, of Mickey. And just look at how far that character came. Yeah. And I wonder what the doctor thinks of him in it, at that moment. I mean, he has to have similar feelings of, yeah. <laughs> like, man, look you're at a different you. guy now. Yeah. yeah. Look at you. Yeah. To be proud, I think. All right. So we next go to Bannerman Road and we see Luke and we see Sarah Jane. I'll start with this one. This is when I watched this on the big screen, whenever it was in theaters a couple of months ago, and it was so weird watching it. I actually broke down crying watching this one because it was like, wow, Elizabeth Sladen in 2019 on the big screen playing Sarah mm-hmm. Jane Smith. There was just something so cool about that. And knowing that this is her last appearance as Sarah Jane. You know, in Doctor Who proper. That to me was really, really cool. Special now, you know, knowing that she passed away. So what did you guys think? Seeing this wave goodbye that Sarah did. Um, Yeah, I I had the same feeling. It just, it's a great moment. Um, It's kind of funny that uh, it has to turn on Luke being kind of a chucklehead, but um, yeah. Because <laughs> you, th- you think, boy, saving him once was nice, but he needs somebody to follow him around the rest of his life. <laughs> Don't fix no walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, a little lesson we've learned today. But I, I love that. So. All right. Clarence, any thoughts from you? Uh, likewise. I, I think maybe the biggest thing I got out of it was the texting and walking thing. Yeah. Um, it's funny, like, <laughs> uh, co host on Discussing Trek, Jonathan Shorts, me, him, and my brother. Uh, we're in New York for a trip. This is probably like 10 years ago or more. And he proceeds across the street on his phone to which, you know, typical New York guy in his big Jeep uh, just pulls up to him real fast, throws on the brakes and just lets loose on a horn. And that's like one of my best <laughs> memories, although it could have yeah. ended pretty tragically. It could have, yes. But, but, but to see the reaction on John's face when he hears that horn, it's just like priceless, priceless. Well, I do think it was cool that they used this as an opportunity to sort of explain away how Mr. Smith was going to say, this is how everybody looked the same. It was like a mass hypnosis. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. So well, that's true. We did get that little exposition in there. That's we, right. We did indeed. And then we go to the bookstore and we see this nod to a journey of impossible things and the character that had been introduced in Family of Blood, who went yeah. by the name Verity Newman, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. If a little on the nose, but yeah. yes. <laughs> and when I saw this the first time, this is where I started to cry because I I love um human nature and family of blood um so very much. And so 
uh, I, the, and the way the actress plays it, she she slowly looks up at him and she sees his face, and it's just a tiny reaction. It's not, wow, you kind of look like him. She knows, she knows instantly. It's really him. Yeah, I just, it's just a terrific, tiny little, very you know, very short moment. But was she happy in the end? And that yeah. that, that was brilliantly delivered. Right. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> no answer. Phew. Uh-huh. Yeah. The church and and the the proverbial question: Did the bride get to the church on time? Yes, she did. The runaway bride got married. <laughs> Total yeah. perfect way to end off Donna's story is she gets married. Yeah, and she gets a lottery ticket ostensibly yes. from her father. But yeah, and I love that Wolf and I guess Sylvia too. They both know the doctor wouldn't give her a lottery ticket. If it wasn't, if he didn't already know that it was a winner. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Especially since they had made this point of saying in the first part that, you know, they were living paycheck to paycheck and it was hard to make ends meet and et cetera and so forth. That's right. And then you tap it off and cap it off with. (laughs) Did did we skip Jack and Alonzo? We did. We did. I'm sorry. I did. I did. I did. So let's go back to the bar. I couldn't remember the sequence there. Yeah, that, that's yeah, and we go to be, between Bannerman Road and the bookstore. Okay, yeah, because we apparently go to Moss Eisley. Now. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> they they went to a lot of trouble to uh, to get all of the the characters that we'd seen before, including a uh, a Slavine in the uh, yep, yep. in the bar there. So uh, I just think that's cute, and, and I guess this pose. is and yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jack just sort of watches with a mild interest. But uh, I I got the feeling that this is not only moving through space, but through time that I don't know, maybe this is just my imagining of it, but it made sense to me that this is Alonzo right after uh, Starship Titanic, right after, uh, you know, that, that what he's doing is sitting there thinking, what am I going to do now? Oh, that's who I did not know where he was from. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Where's this guy from? I don't right. quite remember, but yeah, he was yeah. awesome in that episode. Yeah. And I'll add you one more layer to this particular scene. The song that is being played in the background of this is the same song that they were singing in the cabaret in series three, Daleks in Manhattan. <laughs> wow. So we tapped on that too. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's go up to 2005, January the 1st. And we see this is the final touch base, and he goes back to the beginning, literally. Late now, I've missed it. Midnight, Mickey's going to be calling me everything. This is your fault. No, it's not. It's Jimbo. He said he was going to give us a lift, and then he said his axle broke. I can't help it. Get rid of him, Mum. He's useless. Listen to you. With a mechanic. Be fair, though. My time of life, I'm not going to do much better. Don't be like that. Never know. There could be someone out there. Maybe. One day. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! <laughs> <laughs> Don't stay out all night. Try and stop me. Oh. You alright, mate? Yeah. 
too much to drink. Something like that. Maybe it's time you went home. Yeah. Anyway, happy new year. And you. What year is this? Find me, how much have you had? 2005, January the 1st. 2005. Tell you what. I bet you're going to have a really great year. Yeah? See ya. And it's Rose and it is Jackie walking home January the 1st. And one of the most heartbreaking parts of this is where, for me, when he's, uh, when Rose is telling Jackie, don't be like that you never know there could be somebody out there oh yeah that was really good that mm-hmm. was really good. yeah yeah and then yeah, the, no, go ahead no, i was just saying knowing where, who she'll end up with of course yes <laughs> um yes. awesome they're making you know jokes about mickey being a mechanic and all of that <laughs> so it's just hearkening back to the very beginning and you have this scene with rose and the 10th doctor who she does not recognize and then stays in the shadows stays in the shadows love that and then she tells him maybe it's time you went home and he says yes and then she says anyway happy new year and then he asks hey what year is this and she was like (laughs) how many have you had 2005 january the first i bet you're going to have a really great yeah that was so good so good (laughs) so what did you guys think of at that moment he's marching toward the TARDIS and you see Ud Sigma standing there and he says, We will sing to you, Doctor. The universe will sing you to your sleep. <laughs> we will sing to you, Doctor. The universe will sing you to your sleep. Thoughts. Just, well, uh, I I appreciate the fact that the Ood have read Hamlet because uh, <laughs> that's that's a, a paraphrase of a, one of the last lines of Hamlet. But it's uh, it is lovely to to tie this back up with Ood uh, Sigma uh, because that we we saw him at the beginning of uh, this two parter, and and it and it takes us straight to this um, this rare thing where we're looking at uh, the world from the Doctor's point of view. Which I thought was very interesting, as as he his vision gets blurry and he staggers in the snow. It's it's um, that in itself is heartbreaking. It's it's it really the script is really you know turning it on now. It's really really making it hard, <laughs> making it hard for us. I hate to Clarence. What say ye? What did you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're drumming it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with Leo on all points. It's just like whenever we get a regeneration. It's always like this slow march, and and this this uh, it seems like every time after this we we're trying to you know uh, hype it up a little bit more, <laughs> but I think this one, man, uh, wow, yeah, I, I, this one, you know, I I you know I have no problem saying whenever I get emotional about something because seems like I get emotional about a lot of stuff, but I got really emotional for this one, and I I, I don't know why, but but it's. 
it, it from for the David Tennant Tenth Doctor regeneration when you see Rose there at the end and you know that this is Rose before she met him and you figure that out and you and it's so beautifully done and then you've got Ood Sigma showing up this beautifully haunting music that they start playing and then we've been taunted by this your song is ending all the way back from the first time we see the Ood and Planet of the Ood and you hear this your song is ending and then he says this song is ending but your story never ends. i mean when i heard that it was like i remember watching i was sitting there watching it on youtube and it was like i heard it and it was like immediately the the dam broke so to speak (laughs) you know it was like that was so freaking sad and then it was like what you were saying lee the whole seeing it from the doctor's eyes, seeing the pain, seeing the sadness, the walking, and that build up to he's about to regenerate. And then that I don't want to go. That was just one of the most heartbreaking, wonderfully done regeneration segment. That said, what did you guys think of the explosive regeneration that we've seen since then, but this is the first time regeneration <laughs> literally exploded. So what did you guys think of that? It was interesting to see this uh, from our perspective now and, and to say this is the beginning of the fireworks regenerations, uh, which I've frankly gotten tired of now. So I, I, <laughs> I we, we were, some of us are old enough to remember when it was just a simple dissolve in the camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there was nothing wrong with that. But uh why don't you next don't time you regenerate outside? Exactly. <laughs> don't use it to, as an excuse to redo the target. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, Clarence, what say you? What did you think of this explosive regeneration? Yeah, uh, I don't know if I have an opinion one way or the other. I did notice that uh, he was the man that fell to earth in this episode, uh, Matt mm. Smith. <laughs> mm, good one. I guess not That's outside right. of his target, but he did kind of yeah, plummet. Yep, absolutely. Indeed, indeed. And Geronimo. He also Geronimo. says, I'm a girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there, yeah. there are a number oh. of no, I'm not similarities to. And I'm yeah. still not ginger. Yeah. People have to be thinking, what are we in for? <laughs> so my question yeah. then becomes I know I thought the same thing. It's funny you said that. But what did you think of seeing this first appearance of Matt Smith's doctor? Oh, man. It is a, it is a huge difference. And I don't know what it. I, th- I think my first impression is that this guy was going to be really goofy, is what mm-hmm. I thought at first, which he is in some aspects. But man, uh, wow, I, what he turns into by the end of his run is just uh, magnificent. So, first impressions, I thought this guy was going to be extremely goofy. He doesn't look like a doctor, is what I thought. But what about you yeah. guys? Yeah. Uh, again, this is me being a being a classic Who person, but the the doctor has typically been you know one of the older people in the room, and uh, uh, I'm I'm old enough to have said when the fourth doctor gave way to the fifth, that guy's too young. So so I remember you know yeah David Tennant's face giving way to Matt Smith's and going oh for God's sake what <laughs> is he's going to be a toddler in the next one I don't, you know so. Mm. But but uh, it really it really worked for their audience. So, but yeah, you, their, but, but their you know department. what? I I oddly enough, and again, I've said this on the show before, 
I'm so glad we're going back and revisiting and reviewing all of these episodes because seeing this episode, prepping for watching this, has made me optimistic about Series 12. And I'll tell you why. It's making me optimistic because I remember when I watched The Eleventh Hour and The Beast Below, and I wish I could go to the Podshock website and find the comment that I put on about The Beast Below. And it was basically one of those negative comments that were like, this is not David Tennant's era, and this is so whimsical and so different. I'm never going to like this new Doctor. And I love Matt Smith. You know, I I think he did a fantastic job. But I think that goes into that first series of A New Doctor. Yeah. You, they they don't know the, the role that well, and, and it, they've not settled into the role. He had not settled into the role. Uh, David Tennant had not settled into the role in his first series. So I think maybe in hindsight, Series 12 will be better because we've had more time away from Peter Capaldi, all the fill-in-the-blanks you want to put. But I'm just saying it makes me optimistic about Series 12, and that's a good thing. All right, so... Lee Shackelford, we know your favorite quote. We know your favorite scene. So, yeah. Clarence Brown, your favorite quote and your favorite scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite scene, I think I said already, was the the four knocks on the booth window, glass wall or whatever. Uh, I love that. And my favorite quote is <laughs> when the cacti people <laughs> yes. are, are willing to doctor away strapped to the dolly. <laughs> And they go down the stairs <laughs> and the doctor says, worst, worst. Uh, was it get, no, uh, forget the word, worst getaway, no, worst wor- rescue ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> rescue, there you go, thank you for saving me, <laughs> thank you for rescuing me, worst rescue ever, ever, it, it was fantastic, <laughs> yeah, I chuckled to death over that scene. All right, so see, you, you, you're taking it in the positive and I'm going to turn it into the sad. So my favorite scene was the con- collection of what I'll call my reward, the goodbye scenes. That's the ones that I've listened to in audio book hoops of times over and over and over again. And my favorite quote is going to be, this song is ending, but the story never ends. So final rating, five out of five for Kyle. That's what he's going to give it. Five out of five. Lee Shackelford, what say you? I'm going to go to my old reliable 4.2. There are so many things about this that are so brilliant and wonderful. Hats off to Bernard Cribbins. Uh, But, uh, boy, there's some stuff in this that just leaves you slack-jawed saying, what? (laughs) And and uh, it hurts. But anyway. Um, But, yeah. And, you know, what hurts most is that now I have to leave the David Tennant era, and I don't want to go. (laughs) He's been waiting all week for that. Bravo. 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 Clarence Brown, what say you? Oh, man. Five. Five. Uh, And I thought this was really fun, a really good episode, but I don't know if I'm up so high on it because we had what I consider a subpar episode in the last one. So I don't know. I just loved everything about this episode. Um, uh, So many ties to the past uh finally get a resolution of these 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 four knocks uh wilf was awesome as always and you know um i don't know just a lot of fun 
a lot of fun, man, and, and putting a nice little bow on uh, what David Tennant has done in his run. So I, I loved it. Sweet, sweet. So we have finally, in our reviews of channeling the classic New Who, because we're almost into 15 years of New Who, we've reached the end of RTD. So we're about to embark on the Stephen Moffat era. Uh-oh. That's a good thing. <laughs> I know. I know people like anyway. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> we'll we'll get into it, but 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 in a future episode. So I have one final question, and that f- final question is: Lee Shackelford, where might you be found on the internet? For the moment, I'm going to continue pointing people towards Wi-Fi Sci-Fi dot com. No, I'm sorry, dot org. We're a nonprofit. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi dot O-R-G. We are a nonprofit trying to raise funds to do a live show featuring the casts and creators of six science fiction podcasts. And we met our first Indiegogo goal today as we're recording this. Woo-hoo. So golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for you. <laughs> if I'd done it. No, it's it's our marvelous <laughs> backers and uh, who we call Team Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. So. But yeah, check out what's going on there uh, at Wi-Fi Sci-Fi dot O-R-G. All righty. Clarence Brown, what say ye? Yeah, I'm going to do like always and say head on over to our Discussing Network Facebook group, which you can even find by going to Facebook, going to groups and search for Discussing Network, where you can talk about this show and others that we do. Uh, drop links in there. Leave comments. Uh, it's kind of a place we can gather around and talk about the shows we talk about awesome awesome well i will always point people to a very very good sci-fi drama you may have heard of it before but if you haven't it's extremely good and it is called the relativity podcast and it can be found at relativitypodcast.com so thanks everyone for listening thanks for joining us for the end of time itself and We will be back next time for the Matt Smith era. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?